If you would, turn the Bible to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Following our Advent theme and with the candle lighting that we've been doing every week, the theme of the fourth candle is peace. And that's what we're going to look at today. I hope that you'll remember that it was just a few weeks ago, um, right around Thanksgiving time, that we had another sermon on peace. And the reason why is because we were ending, we were concluding our series on First and Second Thessalonians. Some of y'all may remember that. And the end of Second Thessalonians ends with a passage on peace. There's a prayer there as Paul ends that letter where he writes, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. And we preached on that. Some of you may remember that. If you missed that one and you're wanting to get a double dose of uh, peace messages, then you can go back and listen to that. It's online. Today's message also is about peace. I want us to read this part of the Christmas story of the shepherds. This is in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 8. Luke 2, 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That's an awesome part of the Christmas story when you read the Bible. It's a passage that you may have heard before. It's a good one. It's just a little piece of it in the Bible. It's the one of the shepherds, and we like that one. Today's sermon is on peace, and we have the word peace in verse 14. So look with me again at verse 14. This is the song, if you will, or the proclamation or the heralding of the multitude of the heavenly host of angels, and here's what they said. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is the verse that we're going to look at today. Specifically, what is the Bible saying there about peace? What is My first point this morning is that there are many Christmas messages, are there not? 
There are Christmas messages. If we were to ask, or you were to ask, this weekend um, when the family is gathered together, hey, what's Christmas all about? You would get a lot of different messages. There are lots of different things that come about, and I'm not saying the bad ones, right? There, there are a lot of bad ones, but there are lots of good ones, lots of messages that we get at Christmas. Not only is it a busy time of year, but there's a lot in the Christmas story, right? In and of itself, right? In and of itself, we have the story of Joseph. Fascinating study, right? Joseph was a just man. Even though he thought his wife had been cheating on him, he resolved to divorce her quietly. He didn't even want to make her look bad in this process, right? But then the angel comes, and it changes everything. And, jo- and Joseph stays the course, and he's faithful and godly, and he raises Jesus Christ as his father, Joseph's a neat story, isn't it? And then you got Mary, right? Young Mary, faithful and, 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 and humble and submissive and such a blessing. Mary finds out that she's pregnant and she is a virgin. And she asks the obvious question, how can this be? And the angel tells her that God is doing and she says, let it be to me according to your word. She takes it and she delivers the God-man, Jesus. Mary's a good study in and of itself, isn't it? It's a part of the Christmas story. But from there, we can get into so many other things. The idea of Advent, coming, that God came to us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the fullness of time, God sent his Son to the earth. That's a good theme, Or what about giving, right? And so many people would say that this is the theme of Christmas, for God so loved the world that he gave. Or as Acts 20 reminds us, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And giving is a big part of Christmas. There are a lot of messages that come about, aren't there? A lot of messages. We get a lot of messages, not only uh, in 2021 and in our day of what Christmas is really about, We get several of them in the Bible. One of them is the idea of peace, right? And we are familiar with the phrase, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You've heard that. That comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 14. A lot of times when we start thinking, man, there are a lot of messages going on here, I'm kind of getting overwhelmed. Or you might say, man, I get so many emails from them, I don't even read them anymore, right? I'm getting too many messages. But the Bible being masterfully written the way it is, inspired by God, written by people, all unified together, is a gift to us. And so, for the believer, the multitude of messages that come about during the Christmas season never seems to overwhelm us with, I just can't figure it all out. We receive it as beautiful and true. We receive it as encouraging and uplifting. We receive it as a love message from God coming to us about how he cares for us and knows about our struggles and our sins and how he has an answer for us and hope. And so whether it is Matthew or Luke or whether it is Isaiah the prophet pointing us to it, we see it all as unified in the gospel. The message that God has sent Jesus to die for the sins of the world, to take our place so that we wouldn't be judged or punished. He was judged and punished. 
crucified on the cross under the judgment and wrath of God so that you and I would not. And for anybody who believes, anybody who turns, anybody who repents, anybody who says, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God will receive them, pour all of his mercy and grace on them, welcome them into his family, put his name upon them, make them holy and pure forever in the eyes of God, not by their own righteousness, but by the righteousness of Christ. It's a wonderful, wonderful message. It's a message that inspires us to go to the coastlands like that video said. It's a message that inspires us to sing, go tell it on the mountain like we just sang. It's a message that tells us this is so good, I want to share it. So when we read the Bible and we hear of all the different aspects of the Christmas story and the Christmas messages, we aren't discouraged, we aren't overwhelmed. It isn't too complicated It's wonderful. In the midst of the many Christmas messages, though, we do have the phrase, peace on earth. If my first point today was Christmas messages, my second point this morning is the Christmas message of peace. What is it that the message of the Bible is saying when it says peace on earth? We struggle with this. I know that we do. Because we want so badly for Christmas to be peaceful, and yet so often in so many lives and in so many homes and in so many events, it's anything but peaceful. It's not what we wanted it to be. And oh, when we are let down by our expectations, we find ourselves uh, revolting, going in the opposite direction of what we had wished. It's anything but peace on earth, Christmas is, somebody might say. If you look at chapter 2, verse 14, we hear that suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying. Now what's really neat about this is that we had one angel talking to the shepherds. If you look back at verse 10, I mean verse 9, it says, an angel of the Lord, one, appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And here's going to be the sign. That's one angel. But right after that, all of a sudden, it's not one angel there out in the field talking to the shepherds. It is a multitude. Hundreds? Thousands, the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is a Christmas message. It's not just from an angel. This is not necessarily with Joseph and Mary. This is not with the wise men, which that's another part of the story that we love, This is what the shepherds out in their field observed in the night sky with all sorts of glory and beauty. A song, a song that we know so well, a song that we sang uh, last week, in excelsis Deo, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. So what does this mean, peace on earth? Does the rolling around of December and heading up into December the 25th and the Christmas lights being out and the trees finally being set up during the holidays, does that mean all of a sudden there is peace in Fairdale and South Louisville? 
Are you more peaceful right now because the decorations are out, because it's December? Are you more peaceful now because Christmas break is here and the kids are not going to be away at school? What does it mean when it says peace on earth? It's a good question. In that sermon a few weeks back on uh, the peace at the end of 2 Thessalonians, I made a big, hard distinction between the difference between something being peaceful and something really bringing peace. I hope that you remember that. There are lots of things in our lives that are peaceful. They're not necessarily of peace, but they point us to peace, or they make us think of peace, or they bring to our mind that which is peace. You go on vacation, and it reminds you of of peace. It's just peaceful, but you come back, and there is no peace. You get stressed out in your home, and so you go outside for a walk, and you need to clear your mind, and that is peaceful. But as soon as you jump back into real life, there is no peace. And so uh, you have something that is peaceful, but not peace. What's it getting at here when it says peace on earth? Well, if you look at verse 14... We know it's a song, it's a declaration, glory to God in the highest, and look what it says, peace on earth. Let's stop there for a second. That's not all that it says, but let's stop there. From that moment, do we see that there is peace on earth all of a sudden in a dramatic, drastic way? Not necessarily. Now, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, calls the the coming savior, the Messiah, the prince of peace. And so Christ being on earth is a, a living bodily form. God, the prince of peace, is here. And so he is able to make peace wherever he wants to make peace. But we also see through Christ living in the world and being in the world, we see that there was often more difficulty challenge, frustration, opposition, lots of it. So much so that at one point, Jesus says himself in Matthew 12, do not think that I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. Now, there is a sense in which he did come to bring peace. The declaration here is peace on earth. But there's also this idea that, wait a second, if it's peace on earth, well, we can also observe there's a lot of lack of peace on earth then and now. It wasn't long before he was being run out of everywhere he was. It wasn't long before he was being falsely accused. It wasn't wasn't long before weapons and torches and lanterns showed up at a prayer meeting in a garden while Jesus is on his knees praying his heart out. They took him, falsely accused him, and one of his best friends betrays him with a kiss, mocked him. A phony, misrepresentation. He's arrested. It's ugly. They take him. They spit in his face. They rip his clothes off of him. They pluck his beard out. They beat him to the furthest degree of beating that they're even allowed to do by the law. They beat him to the place that he is so weak he can hardly stand. They tore him up. That wasn't enough. After they had humiliated him in such a way, they mock him. They made him a fake crown that hurt to even put it on him. They, they put his robe back on him. They bowed down before him, laughing their heads off, mocking and mocking and mocking. It doesn't sound very peaceful to me. 
And if that wasn't bad enough, of shame and awkwardness, filth and harshness, they then tried to figure out, well, what can we do? He's passed around from this people group to this people group. Who's going to take responsible for this? And who's going to take responsibility for this? What are we going to do with him? Ultimately, it all goes wrong. They release a criminal instead of releasing him, the one who never sinned. And there's raging amongst the people. Crucify him. Crucify him. And so they did. They nailed him to a cross with two others that day. Guilty criminals that deserve to die. They said that themselves. That's not our words. The one criminal leans his head forward to say, he's innocent, but we deserve to be here. And while he hung on the cross, suffering and dying, what you and I would think is probably the most humiliating way in the world to die, wrongly accused, innocent, stripped naked, hanging for hours and hours and hours in front of the people in the city that walk by to breathe until you can't breathe anymore. It's hardly peaceful. But that also is a part of the Christmas story. Three Sundays ago, I preached that Christmas begins with creation. And if you understand anything about Christmas, you are to understand that every bit of the baby Jesus, manger, scene, virgin, birth, every bit of that took place so that the cross could take place. For God had in mind the sins of the world and the redemption of the lost and the gathering of his people that they would know him and love him and worship him and recognize him as the most beautiful, glorious, worthy thing in the world. God is God, and he deserves our worship. And the way he gets our worship is by sending his son into the world to show us what God's like, and then in showing us what God's like, he takes on what we're like, sin, and died, the judgment, so that people wouldn't. You don't have to be judged. You don't have to die. You don't have to face the punishment of the judgment of God for your sins because Christ already has. And this is the Christmas message. The Christmas message isn't always peaceful and that's the point I'm trying to make. So when it says in 2.14 of Luke, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, what does it mean? Well, it certainly doesn't mean that just because there's Christmas, there is peace. Can we admit that? Just allow your mind to be set free a little bit this morning and stop being so discouraged that Christmas does not mean that everything's all of a sudden going to be peaceful. When you watch the news this week and it discourages you like crazy, don't throw up your hands in the world. Don't throw up your hands in frustration and say, well, what is this? I just don't get it. Christmas is supposed to be peaceful and this world is not. That's not what it means. Until we get to heaven and the kingdom of God is set up to reign forever and death and sin has been done away with for the rest of eternity, we're not gonna have peace here on earth the way we long for. We work for it, we fight for it, we pray for it, but that's not what this declaration means. Hear me, we work for it, we pray for it, we fight for it, 
Blessed are the peacemakers. That's what Jesus said. And we are to be those who labor and labor for peace. May you be a peaceful person that brings peace. But the message of Christmas was not that because the baby came, earth is now going to be full of peace. When we hijack just those words, peace on earth, we, send a, we, we try to send that message and then everybody's let down thinking that it's not really peace on earth. So, let's look what it says. It says, peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. The King James Version, some of y'all may remember, says, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. What the message is coming from the angels is that peace is now here. And the Bible through and through in the New Testament teaches us that the key to peace is Jesus Christ himself. Paul writes, he himself is our peace. Paul writes that he has made peace by the blood of his cross. Peace is found in Jesus. And so what the angels, the heavenly host, are announcing here is that there is peace on earth. It's Jesus. And so all those who receive him know it. All those who believe know it. All those who trust in Christ have peace. And the way they word that there is among those with whom God is pleased. The sinfulness has been dealt with. The hostility has been moved. The opposition has been removed. And so now God is pleased with those who are trusting in Christ. What this reminds us then is that there is no issue with God and his peace. We're not disappointed for why, you know, God must be weak or shallow or God must be unable to bring peace on earth. I mean, he made this big statement, okay, peace is here and now I don't see peace and so I'm let down by God. God's not able to do what God says he's able to do. I don't see peace on earth and so God is unable to bring peace on earth. Well, that's not ever what it said. That may be what some people took and that may be what some people try to proclaim, but that's not what it said. May we never read the Bible. May we never live our lives and allow anything to downplay God or make us think less of God. God is totally in control. Corey Ten Boom writes, there is no panic in heaven. God has no problems, only plans. There is no panic in heaven. God doesn't look down from heaven and see the lack of peace on earth and think, oh my goodness, how am I gonna figure this out? Somebody better do something. No, God did something. And what he did is he sent peace to earth. He sent himself. He came to us. The Prince of Peace came. Peace showed up to an unpeaceful world. Peace showed up to a place where there wasn't a lot of peace. Peace showed up to the people who desire peace but don't know how to create peace. And so the Christmas message of peace is a message of peace. But it's not simply peace on earth. It is peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. As we think this holiday season about 
Christmas and the many messages. Let's allow the word of God to be unified in what it's telling us. Let's believe the wise men and the shepherds and Joseph and Mary and the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Let's believe that we are sinners and that we needed a Savior. Let's believe that the Savior has come to us. Let's believe that there is such a thing as peace, and we long for it. Let's labor that there would be peace in our homes and peace in our relationships and peace everywhere we are, not because we've found the secret or because we're good at it, but because we are trusting in Christ, the Prince of Peace. Our first point is Christmas messages, and our second point is the Christmas message of peace. And my third and final point this morning is not the Christmas message of peace, but the Christmas messenger of peace, which is himself, Jesus. The Christmas message of peace is only understood... It is only truly known, it is only really experienced through the messenger of peace, and that is Jesus. There is no message of peace that lastingly, effectively brings about peace in our lives and in our world without the knowledge of Christ, without the personal relationship with Christ. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased means Jesus is here. And so what are we going to do with him? What are we going to do with this baby? And what are we going to do with him as he grows up? What are we going to do with the life he lived and the way that he taught and the way that he acted? How are we going to handle that? And then what are we going to do about the greatest human being ever being rejected and crucified? What are we going to do with that? And if we believe him and follow him and commit to him and trust him, then we will know peace. There is nothing on this earth more futile than laboring for peace without the peace that comes from knowing God through Christ. Matter of fact, there will be exhaustion. There will be confusion. And inevitably, there will be frustration. When we think that we know how to bring peace and yet not be about the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. To know Jesus is to know peace. In Romans chapter five, verse one, the apostle Paul writes, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Here we see that the messenger of peace, Jesus Christ, is not just coming to create a social peace, but he came to create a peace in us. In that sermon from Thessalonians, I made that distinction between what is peaceful and what is actually embodying peace. And this is an excellent way to think about it when we look at what's going on outside of us as compared to what's going on inside of us. When we come to know Christ, the Bible says that our sins and the conviction of sin, and all of the like applications or the, the, the fallout from being a sinner, things like doubt, worry, insecurity, self-esteem, low self-esteem, high self-esteem, the need for approval, the need for encouragement or positive feedback, 
All of those things that dwell in the sinful nature that bother us so much, those things find their answer. That our worth and our lives and who we are is satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. That although we have sinned against God, and that calls us to have a guilty conscience. Guilty conscience is a good phrase. It's one that needs to be in Christian discipleship all the time. We have a conscience, and we have a guilty conscience. Anybody that's sinned has a guilty conscience. And listen to me, you don't fully remove the guilty conscience by doing good. Hey, in all of our parenting And in all of our marriages, in all of our trying to make an impact in the world, if we are still trying to get people to not have a guilty conscience by pushing them to do good, we are contributing to the problem. It will not remove the guilty conscience. You know what removes a guilty conscience? True, real forgiveness for the deed that brought the guilt. You know what will remove and clear the guilty conscience? True, real forgiveness for the deed that caused the guilt. You know what can do that? Not one thing in the world that you can do. Jesus. He took your guilt He took your deeds and he dealt with it on the cross so that in your heart, between you and God, there would be peace. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, by believing, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we really want to understand the message of peace at Christmas time, we must wholly surrender and put our attention to the messenger of peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Did you hear the passage that Matt McBroom read from John chapter 14? John chapter 14 is a great passage. There in 14, 15, and 16, we have the best teaching in the whole Bible about the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the paraclete. We have all of that there. John chapter 14 begins with, let not your hearts be troubled. What Matt read also says, let not your hearts be troubled. There's lots of things that trouble us in this world. One easy way to say that could be guilty conscience. Another easy way to say that would be the lack of peace. Both of those are very troubling. I'm troubling by what's going on around me, and I'm troubled by what's going on inside of me. This is a real aspect of the human being. For me, for you, for everybody that we know, I just feel troubled. I feel unsettled. What's difficult, and this is why counseling, right, and therapy is through the roof, is how do I identify what's troubling me, right? This is the reality of our day. I'm troubled, but I don't know what. Is it my parents' fault? Is it how I was raised? Is it my coworker? Or is it the man in the mirror? What's the problem? Why am I troubled? Well, Jesus over and over again keeps saying, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. He believes that there is peace to be found. John chapter 14 is the passage where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But all the way over at verse 25 is where Matt McBroom read. I want to read these verses to you again. Listen to this. If you came here today looking for peace, 
Or if you're already stressed, about, uh, stressed out about this weekend, then I want to point you to peace. 14.25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now look at verse 27. You gotta believe this. You gotta know the actual words and teachings of the Bible, of God, of Jesus Christ. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Christ gives peace in a way that the world cannot And the world has all sorts of ways to try to give peace. They can offer therapy to us. They can offer more money to us. They can offer places that are very, very peaceful to us, right? If you want to, you can retire or just move and you can go live in Florida and you can live on the beach and we dare you to see if you find peace there. You cannot. We know that. We know better than that. This is what Jesus is saying. There is peace. It comes from him, it's a gift from him. He, he, he gave it to his people. But notice that he had something he says in verse 27 that he left with them. Well, how did he leave peace? Was it some rules? Was it some practices? Was it make sure you wake up early enough every morning to get your exercises in before you meet the day? What was the peace that he left? None of those things. The peace that he left is the Holy Spirit, God himself, to be with believers 24-7, indwelling in them, satisfying the heart, bringing peace. Peace on earth among those with whom he is pleased. The peace of Christmas, the message of peace, is found in the messenger of peace, knowing Christ. And when Christ left, after he had done everything there was to do to secure us a place with God in heaven, safe in love, escaping the judgment, the peace is that now we know God and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. When you hear him say, peace I live with you, my peace I give to you, you ought to be asking yourself, has he? Has he given me his peace? I want to ask you here today, do you know his peace? Are you still looking for church to be an addition to your life that will create peace and you're continually at tension with church because it's not creating the peace that you thought that it would because it ain't in church? It's in Jesus. Are you continually looking for God to be this addition to your life that will make decision making get better? Morality will increase because you now are considering God and you're longing for peace, but you can't get over why going to church or doing things has not brought more peace. It's not going to. Peace comes through Jesus. God, his son, our savior, who died and dealt with our sins, that's where peace is found. And so do you have peace? Have you ever considered that this might really be the truth? This is the answer to the world. This is the answer to the problems. This is the answer to the world's problems, the answer to my problems. And before I start trying to bring peace anywhere outside, I ought to really be honest about needing peace on the inside. Have you considered that? Would you? Not just the message of peace, but the messenger of peace. 
Remember Paul's prayer at the end of 2 Thessalonians? Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Would you consider here today that you need peace and Jesus gives peace and so you'll turn to him? You'll welcome that. You'll believe. You'll trust. You'll follow. This weekend, we have watched a lot of basketball. Some games we prefer not to talk about. But the king of the bluegrass basketball tournament's been going on down at the high school. And I really enjoy that. Friday night, I sat there in those hard bleachers for six straight hours and I watched four straight games and I loved it. And when you're in a gym like that with a lot of people, it can be a little chaotic, especially when somebody dunks or it's a tight game or something big happens. The crowd's yelling, the people are yelling, the whistles are blowing, the benches are clapping, the coaches are screaming. It's a little bit chaotic in there, isn't it? If you don't like that, then you don't like that. But if you like that, you're like, man, this is awesome. There's a lot of energy in here. It's hype in here. And it gets like that sometimes. Second round starts today, and so it's just gonna increase as we go. There's something neat that happens sometimes in basketball. And Coach Harden reminded me of this just yesterday. Sometimes it's so loud in a gym that you can't even hear the whistles. You've seen that before, right? You can't even hear the whistles, right? Play stops. You're like, why'd they stop? And somebody says, oh, they blew a whistle. But there's something special about good coaches and good coaching. In the midst of a gym that's going crazy with so much noise, everything in there is loud. That's how they want it to be. The band is playing. The cheerleaders are cheering. The thousands of fans are screaming. It's chaotic. But over there by the bench, a lot of times it's like this. Coach is going, hey, set up in five. Hey, run Gator, run Gator, run Gator. Hey, Michael, do this. Hey, pick him up, pick him up full court. And I'm telling you the truth. The players can look over, hear it real quick, and then get it going and tell each other and they do it. It's truly fascinating. Happens in football too, right? You see them get up to the line and they'll try to calm down and they'll yell over like this and you can't, you can't hear the whistles in football. And if you're a fan and you're thinking, man, it's so loud in here, I can't even talk to the person sitting beside me, how are they hearing each other? It's a good question. Really kind of hard to figure that out. In sports, it's a little bit of they've tuned out everything else. They know who to listen to. They kind of know how to read lips. Body language says a lot too. What he's saying kind of matches the signal that he's giving. But all of that to say in the midst of an environment that has so little peace, those who know what they're looking for, find it. They're tuned in. There's a connection there. Hey, I realize that it's a crazy time to be alive. Our kids can't go to school unless they get tested every week and wear a mask every day and get their hands sanitized every corner they turn. But at that gym, 
We got thousands of people sitting side by side, spitting on each other as we scream, high-fiving and everything, and there's no rules. Doesn't make sense. And in this life that we're living, there's a lot of things right now that don't create peace. But in my heart, on the inside of me, is Christ, the peace giver, the prince of peace. And so as we're living our lives, heading into Christmas of 21, rolling into 2022 with the Omicron, who knows what life's gonna be like? But the Bible says that Jesus gives peace. When the angels cried out, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, among those with whom he is pleased. It didn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden everything's gonna be peaceful. But it did mean for those that will believe him, they'll know peace. Merry Christmas to you all. May you believe. May you trust Christ. May you be willing to say, I don't know how to fix everything that's going on these days. But God sure has settled my heart. There's peace between me and God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, may your kindness lead us to repentance. May we seek peace with you. And may we be humble and grateful that your love has sent your son to bring it. That Christmas message, that glorious announcement peace is here. Father, thank you for the indwelling peace that we have through Jesus. God, in the midst of all of these Christmas messages, may we understand peace. And Father, for us here today, help us to believe, turn us to Christ, lead us to repentance. May we ask you for the forgiveness of sins and believe that there's peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.